Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast, where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Grabovich. And today, my guest is Allie, and Allie is a former student of mine at Allentown Central Catholic High School, graduated in the class of 2005, I believe it was. Is that right, Allie? That it, that's correct. Oh my goodness, very long ago. My gosh, I know. Don't, I know. Don't, 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 don't remind <laughs> me. So, but how about you just tell, tell us a little bit about your background and what occupies most of your time these days? Sure. Well, thank you for having me here today. Um, I started my career actually in education. So I was a reading specialist um, for about 11 years um, back in the hometown in Allentown. So I worked in public school. Um, and my background just on a little bit of a personal history is um, I developed a, some chronic health conditions um, in my mid to late 20s. And so kind of was dealing with that and um, the full-time career and the extra stress that was taking its toll. And I can go into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but yoga, I found yoga as a way to really help me on my healing path, especially with the gentler, the more accessible styles of yoga. Um, it helped my body heal. And it just really brought a lot of balance also to my mind and didn't realize how much stress we hold all over our bodies. Mm. Um, so much that it helped me that I decided to pursue and become a yoga instructor while I was still teaching. And then um, during COVID, um, I, you know, it, it was different, you know, with teaching, it was more online and it's just a little bit more of that flexible schedule. And I got a lot better. So I had a more, an opportunity to experience that flexible schedule and something that really fit more with where I was in my health and my mind. Um, and so I decided to leave full-time education um, and it was a really hard decision. So I went back after COVID and got sick again and thought, you know what, I just need to follow what's best for me and decided to pursue the yoga instruction. And it's been an amazing journey. I've been doing that for about two years. So there's been so many amazing opportunities um, that have just unfolded that were much more aligned, you know, for where I was at in my life. And I'm so grateful. And it was, it's been such kind of this full circle where you know, uh, all of the work that I had done in teaching and all of the preparation, it's, it's like everything was just guiding me to this point. So I'm still integrating and using all of the, the skills and the, the teaching and the education, but just in a way that's more authentic and really more purposeful because it's so personal to me and my, um, where I'm at right now and can really help others. Awesome. I mean, that's such a great introduction because there's so many things to unpack by what you just said there. First off, I think really why we're having this conversation is because I was so excited when you start to put on social media that you were doing yoga, gentle wave yoga. And I was like, wait, what, what is Allie Bauer doing? I mean, I always think of you as Allie Bauer. I'm sorry. Yes. No, that is, that's, that's how I am. I know. Okay. <laughs> I probably so, like, people's phones like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is like so cool because I was going on my own type of spiritual deep dive and it was taking me into places that was integrating yoga as well. So I was just really so curious to see how you actually landed in that area as well. So um, let's first talk about what was your openness to 
experimenting, if that's the right word, with yoga when you uh, were going through this chronic illness. And I don't know how much you can tell us about that illness, just so that, you know, what, why did that become a viable option for you uh, at that time in your life? And did you have any type of previous experience, like say with yoga or anything like that prior to that? Such great questions, Grib. Okay. Um, so truthfully, I always, a lot of people find yoga in the same way I started. I was, it's going to help flexibility. It's going to stretch your muscles. So at the time, this was back in 2014, I was mm -hmm. healthy, um, super active. I was actually training. I don't even know if you know this. I was training for a half marathon. The oh, wow. only, yeah, but at one point I was a runner at one well, very small yeah, yeah. point in my life. The only half marathon I ran and people had said, you know, if you're training for it, yoga is going to really help with stretching the muscles and just sure. helping to bring that balance. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And it was a studio close to me. Um, yes, it definitely helped with the physical part, but I just didn't realize beyond the physical part, like mm -hmm. how relaxed, how present I didn't realize, um, what the breath work even meant. Um, I didn't realize how my mind was all over the place. I I'm a very, by nature, I'm a type A personality, very go, go, go. So I have to work really hard at changing and that mind frame and being present. And so it was this awareness of, wow, I don't realize how all over the place my mind is and how much yoga helps me. Mm -hmm. So in that year, it was something that I would just come to and it didn't still fully understand yoga. Like my mind would be racing. I'd actually leave before Shavasana. And I often share that with students because I'd be like, I don't have time. I, I don't have time for this. Wow, that's like the best part of the whole <laughs> I know. For those, <laughs> exactly. I always tell people like you stay for the Shavasana. And for those right. who never heard done yoga or like what right. Shavasana, at the very right. end of any type of yoga, mm -hmm. it, Shavasana translates to corpse pose or final resting pose. And mm -hmm. so it's this two to three or five minute time for complete stillness. And it's a way for your body to just totally absorb all the, the goodness that you've done in that hour. So a lot of nutrients and oxygenated blood, but it's also this space for you to just be still. And um, it, it's amazing. It's, it's a lot of people have a lot of emotional release during that time, or they just feel this sense of peace. And they, it's during that time that they're like, I feel good, you know, mm -hmm. and they don't really quite know why. So I would leave before getting to that point. And to me, that is the heart of yoga, you know, to be in that state of peace. You were leaving why? Just because you didn't have time? Or just because I felt like I was, I would cram my day in by like hour, hour, hour. It was yeah. just kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll go to work. I'll do errands. I'll meet, you know, my Laura for, for dinner. Yeah. I'll go do yeah. yoga, but I don't have like in my mind I think would be racing and I just was like to me stillness was something that was like why would anyone do this sure, you know sure and so um I did that for about a year and then a year later and and during that time there were some your body's always communicating with you is what I've learned the hard way um mm. you know and 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 throughout that year and even a little bit before my body was giving me signals that stuff wasn't right or I was experiencing some crashing in the afternoon some fatigue but I just ignored it kind of pushed it down and then mm -hmm. a year later my body truly just gave out one day it was september you know 2015 and i had pain all over my body and had no idea why and it was like i said the fatigue i'd crash in the afternoon there was a lot of cognitive issues um so 
current, to make a long story short, um, after a few years, you know, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. I was tested for all kinds of autoimmune diseases, which many of the symptoms, the fatigue, the brain fog, um, a lot of food intolerances, body pain overlap with a lot of other autoimmune conditions like lupus or, um, MS, you know, rheumatoid arthritis. And so I just didn't really fit in any puzzle piece, but my symptoms correlated to fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. And I never was totally sold on that. I do have it. And fibro is, you know, a very a sensitive nervous system. So mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of sensory overload, a lot of noises, lights. Um, and it was, it was rough. It was a really rough time. I would go to work and it's the scary thing and the sad thing for anyone who has chronic illness, um, and we all say this is it's an invisible illness. Mm. So no one can tell by looking at us, you know, what's going on that there's something going on behind the scenes. A lot of the symptoms are behind the scenes. So I'd go to work, come home and just crash. And I couldn't do pretty much anything like chores. I'd have to rest my body up. And it was a really confusing time. And I couldn't exercise, obviously not training for a half marathon. And I didn't understand what was going on in my body. I really, you know, resented what was going on. And I remember taking a yoga class that was at my level a year prior when I was training. And I couldn't do the poses and felt super insecure, humiliated, comparing myself to others and really embarrassed. Um, and so I went down a level to a level one or beginner friendly. And there was a lot of modifications of what I did before. So the instructor used a lot of props like um, support in the blocks. You've used it, you know, in my yeah, classes, sure. blankets and just explained how they can help. And yep. I was able to do it. It was the only exercise I could do. I stayed at that point. I was staying for Shavasana. Now I understood it, but I remember the emotional release of gratitude. Like my body could do this. And there was such a deep appreciation for yoga at that point. Like I didn't, it was the only thing I could really do very low impact. And so that was in 2015. And, and after a few years, you know, I was still working full time, still in and out of figuring out the symptoms and what was going on. I would really not do yoga on a consistent basis. I'd always leave and say, this helps me so much. I need to do this more. Mm -hmm. And then I did discover that the root cause of my symptoms was um, chronic Lyme disease. My mm. first year of teaching, I got bit by um, something on my chin. Hmm. Um, yeah. And we thought Strange. it was a spider bite. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, I, it's one of those where, um, I didn't put two and two together until 2019 that of this bite and everything happened after the reason it came out is I was in this state of inflammation, the stress, maybe the moldy classroom, just mm -hmm. this high, fast paced type a personality. And it all came out. Um, so I started going through treatment in the summer of 2019 and, you know, my doctor said, you need to rest, you need to like, just relax and de-stress. And so I explored other styles of yoga, um, another gentle style called yin yoga that wasn't as much movement. And I can talk about that later. I don't think, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever done that one. I don't think so. Um, no. And that helped a lot. It helped my nervous system. It just gave me that relief. And then slowly my body, even just, I've noticed, noticed it changing. Um, and then I just decided, you know, to kind of continue with where yoga would lead me into the 200 hour certification that I actually got through the same studio where I had all of my initial yoga experiences where you were at, you know, oh, Western so what, yoga. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great place. And I would, while I was getting my training done, because I had that initial certification and the owner knew me just of the level one, which is harder to teach because you're breaking down the poses and you're explaining a little bit more to make it accessible, asked me to, to be a part of the studio. And so I've been teaching there since April of 2021 as a level one teacher. Um, I'm studio manager there now. I have my own business here and I've just been able to um, there's just, like I said, this huge gratitude for that class and just to be able to share how much it helped me. I mean, truthfully now my rheumatologist doesn't need to see me anymore because my body has completely like gradually, slowly improved and modified. And, you know, my symptoms, um, a lot of the physical have just gone away. So it's been, it's been a journey, you know, it's been this evolution and yoga has been that constant, not just on a physical level, but more on just this, as I've evolved, yoga's helped me to connect to that authentic part, find my voice, kind of accept and appreciate what's going on in my life and just help me making big changes that were yeah. pretty scary. That That's kind of, I mean, there's so many things I, I want to ask right now, but that that is at the heart of it there. As you say, like, as you evolved, um, yoga became part of the process of you allowing to hear the inner voice. I don't know exactly how you said it, mm-hmm. but like, but that, that to me is just the really fascinating part about this whole thing. Cause it seems to me that there's a direct correlation with how you were getting more into your practice with yoga. And then you decide to leave uh, mm-hmm. your career teaching, which is like you said, a really big move. I mean, a lot of people are very fearful of leaving their job, but oh, somehow- Somehow yoga gave you the confidence to be able to know what your real calling was, if you want to call it that. Um, tell me about that whole experience. I mean, there, there had to be a lot of, I don't know, tension with that. I mean, oh or- my gosh, it was, yeah. And it's, so I want to say in 2017, um, that was probably when I was at my sickest. And instead I knew, I like, I knew grip. I knew in my heart, it wasn't mm-hmm. the right fit but I wasn't ready to leave. So Mm -hmm. instead I went to a different district and I went to a different grade level. And that's probably between that and COVID was the time that was the hardest. Yes, with my health, but I think because I, I knew in my heart on some level, it wasn't a fit and I denied it and I ignored it. Mm -hmm. And so the more I did yoga, you know, and connecting and hearing that truth more often, then eventually, and it took a lot of work, a lot of other things like journaling or more breath work, more frequently, um, spending time by myself, spending time in nature, you know, for me being at the beach, which, you know, I love the beach. Mm -hmm. That is my place where I can retreat and just really get some introspection. And it, it wasn't something that was a flip of a switch. I made a decision. It was probably about three years of that evolution um, and understanding myself better. And then just having that courage and bravery to, to, to do what was best. And I'll be honest, it was a decision at the time where like my husband just really wanted me to stay and we could figure it out financially more. And I, it was initially, it was that. And then I was like, I can't do this. I can't. And I just made the decision on my own. He want you to stay teaching. Is that what you mean? Or what do you mean? For at least a little bit to okay. figure out financially, because right. it was, you know, this huge leap of what, are, what are we going to do? And it was in the heart of COVID, you know, we have the shop, um, we have our own business and I was bringing in the insurance and the stability. And it was, uh, 
I mean, it, it all worked out. And, and again, I just think, and I've, I've shared this with people who are grappling with big life decisions, or if they're not happy, it's almost like when it's an aligned decision and you're following your heart, I can't even tell you how it worked out financially, but we were able to make it work. And then more abundance came. Like we were able to have more money when I left teaching than when I had it. And so we're still scratching our heads. Like, how did this happen? And right. I think because it's, it's when you can follow your heart or you have a trust in something beyond you that it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, and in the moment, like it's still terrifying. It's something you have to work at. I have to work at it every day, you know, sure. like doing the yoga and having this practice, but having that trust in yourself and just that faith, um, really gets you through it. it it's always amazing how much money becomes like the thing that we feel like we have to kind of, uh, revolve our entire life around. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've fallen into that on so many different occasions, but if I'm honest, also, there's never been a time where I did not have enough money to do what I needed to do, namely just mm -hmm. like have money to eat and have a place to live. Right. I mean, like, I just think that like those things fall into place uh, because I think as you're trying to be more true to yourself on the same token, you're like also reorienting what you think you absolutely need and what you don't need. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so totally. oh, maybe, maybe I don't need to spend money on X, Y, Z. So mm -hmm. I can let that very easily go. And that's very good to let that go. Cause now I can be more true myself here to do ABC, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, but you know, the, I, I, the one thing I really have always appreciated about the yoga studios, yoga studios that I've been to, and I'm not going to say this is the, the situation at every single one. Cause I haven't been of course to every single one. But there seems to be a, such a great welcoming sense that it's okay to be very vulnerable in yes. that, that, that setting, right? And I think vulnerability is so key because it allows you to be you far easier uh, than if you're in a place where you feel as if you have to perform and perform to a certain type of uh, level. I, I always get the sense that one of the, the goals is to just allow people to be themselves uh, where they are. And of course you have different classes based on levels and things like that. But I mean, like, totally. but can you tell me a little bit about what that personally was like for you going into this as you're, as you said, you were, you were training for a half marathon. So you're introduced to yoga. And then once again, you now go down that path to work on, on responding to how you were feeling ill like, what was that experience of vulnerability in the context of the studio? Does that make sense? Oh, gosh. Oh, it does. And um, first of all, you, you explained it perfectly. And I think sometimes that's why yoga is a little intimidating for people. Not Yes, there's so many different styles and there is more right. intense yoga and, right. and there's a place for it. And that's great. But it can you, you're with yourself. And so you're at your core. You're at, you know, who you are. Um, and and that can be scary, you know, and that takes a while to get comfortable with it. But I think that's why people feel good too. You know, they feel that sense of peace and, and, um, you know, respect and acceptance and love of it, it's love. You just feel that love of yourself and you're doing such good things for your body and to connect with who you are. Um, and truthfully, and I was thinking of this when you were saying that like earlier of, of where you, you saw about my business when I posted it. At the time when I started doing yoga, I was hiding 
you know, behind this mask. I was mm. not vulnerable. Yeah. I had this battle going on that I didn't want to show anyone because it was almost like my Achilles heel. Like I am type, you know, you knew me as a student. I just yeah. like overachiever and just, you know, still set that bar high. And I didn't want to see, have anyone see me be something other than that. Um, right. And it took years, you know, for me, and I'm still learning to like open up and share a little bit. But for the most part, for many, many years, I, I didn't share what was going on. And then just recently, um, you know, when I created the business, I thought this has helped me so much. I just I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready mm -hmm. to just let people see the truth of what's going on, helped people to understand the confusion behind the invisible illness, like well, you look fine this day and you came to a, a concert. Why can't you come out for breakfast the next day? You know, and, and that what's really going on behind the scenes. And a lot of people were surprised. They had no idea what was going on. Um, so that authenticity and that, that vulnerability is so scary. And I, I did not, I did not show it for years. I think it, that was something that I really the more again yoga I did that was again that little voice of just letting your mask off a little bit you know just showing people the real you that was also part of following the heart you know this is the truth and it's okay when you were going to the studio I mean were you mentored or were there people there ready to just accept you so to speak or was it just the practice in and of itself that allowed you to be so vulnerable I mean what was the communal aspect like in helping you to be more vulnerable to first off, you know, experimenting with yoga and, and, and reaping mm -hmm. the health benefits, but then also then in turn, you allowing yourself to just be you. Did other people play a role in that? Yes, um, a combination of everything. So like you said, the studio does have this welcome. It's like a warm hug and a lot of studios, you can have that, you feel it as soon as you walk in. Mm -hmm. It's a welcoming environment, it's a community. Um, and the energy of the people in a room, depending on the type of class, you just started to kind of, you come every week, you start to know the people. Um, and I think I found that openness that that place to be vulnerable because it was a right fit for me and that's where what I wanted to do with my business is so many they'll hear yoga's great I've heard and my doctor recommended it I need to do this for stress but it, they may not find the right fit for their body their mind or what they need and it might be a turnoff and I went down that road and so I found I was very very fortunate to just find a class that met my body and mind where it was and the owner of the studio who I worked directly with is the one that taught that class. So I was able to, you know, her demeanor and her loving, she loves the people in the class and, you know, her willingness to just listen. And I'd go up after her and just tell her how much it meant and be able to share and just seeing that compassionate individual who was so appreciative of the people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone you see in, in here, you know, namaste, that's at the sure. end of yoga. And it's the light and love in me honors the light and love in you. We recognize that in each other. And so having that environment and having that true compassion and understanding and acceptance, then that reflects back in you to be able to give that. So, you know, I, I, as I, especially when I went in my YTT training, I was very nervous. The YTT is the yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. Um, and the studio owners and her 
daughter are the co-owners of the studio. So the owner was the level one teacher, the daughter ran the teacher program. And even in that, I was intimidated because I couldn't do some of the poses that we had to do. And I, I would just be a little bit more open with the community there. So the group that I was with, and I think I'd share what I was going through or share how I had to modify, um, again, just to help the teachers have that understanding that you're going to get people coming in. Like We don't know what anyone is dealing with at any moment, whether they're in a business or a school or a yoga studio, they come in and you can't tell what they're dealing with. And to have that compassion and understanding and welcoming, you know, come in here with open arms, um, that's just humanity and what we can, you know, carry off the mat as well. Yoga is so much more than just the physical poses. It's all of the goodness that you can take with you. Yeah. And I think that's the, the key thing. I mean, sometimes we, uh, can run the risk of feeling guilty when we make time to take care of ourselves in different ways. But, you know, so much of, of this time that you're spending on yourself is so that you are fully yourself in the presence of others to be able to give everything you have uh, without feeling, let's just say, uh, empty doing it, right? Like the, the, there needs to be somehow filling up the vessel in order to allow it to spill out when you're in the presence of others. Could you talk a little bit about what on the mat, like how being on the mat has helped you to be better off the mat? You have to fill up your cup first, be able, before you can give your some of your cup to others. So like you can't fill from an empty cup. It's almost yeah. like you hear that, that, that phrase from like, if you're on a plane, you have to wear your mask before you can help someone else. And it's, it's the truth, you know, we, and, and I experienced that. And I, towards the end of teaching during COVID, I'd see it with the teachers. There wasn't that much left to give and Mm -hmm. the expectations of the burnout um, of anything, you know, people were, we were all so affected, right. And we continue to be affected. So at some point, you know, you're going to just get depleted and it's scary and it's real. And so that reality, I think, because I had it before yoga, and then I realized how much better I felt after yoga with it just, I realized such a difference in just almost, I wouldn't just feel physically better, but I would just feel whole again, you know, again, the, the, the openness, a lot of the poses, you know, you're opening your heart up, um, you know, like shoulders away from the ears and there are um, heart center poses, but really in reality, it's at a deeper level. You're kind of creating and filling up that, that love and compassion that maybe you've given throughout the week. And then you're kind of getting that filling back up for you. So people leave the mat and they're like, I feel great. And that's the reason because it's replenishing you through the integration of breath you know, through rebalancing the nervous system and reoxygenating the blood to the brain and all kinds of different things. But it it allows you to feel like you hit that reset button that you're ready to go off the mat and, you know, take that with you for the rest of the week. And so many people I hear are coming saying, like, I just had a, a lady this morning, she was new to the studio. And she said, I have eight month old twins and a three-year-old at home. And I was like, oh my goodness. But she said, this hour is for me. And I thought that was tremendous. I said, that is so amazing that you know that this is important for you Mm -hmm. to take this hour out of a whole week so that you can then 
hit the reset button for whatever you need to then give it to your kids, you know, and she's, she has three kids under the age of three. I mean, right. It is, it's, it's making that commitment. It's almost like self-care is not selfish. And I think it is, and I do worry, you know, it's kind of one of those overused words lately, self-care, self-care, self-care. And it means a lot of different things. It's not necessarily like a spa day. It could be, but it's anything that just makes you feel good. It makes you feel whole. It, you know, it makes you happy. Um, and it's probably a combination of a lot of different things throughout the week so that you can just add that to your bucket to help you carry on through the rest of the week. It might even be just taking a half hour to just eat a meal and have a conversation without being on the phone. And that's important. And that fills you up with that connectivity, that connection. So the, the filling up is, um, more than just a practice. It's all of the interpersonal, you know, heart emotions and, and, and experiences that connect us to one another that we get depleted of throughout the week. I always feel that the, the best self-care is something that's that's definitely, for lack of a better word, feeding the mind, the body, and the spirit to, to allow them all to kind of just work as one, as to be one, to, so that you as a person can be one. And what is, what, what is the spiritual dimension to this? So like when we say mind, body, spirit, and you mentioned, of course, before about like, you know, namaste. I mean, like knowing that the light within me recognizes the light within you. I mean, I think it's a very spiritual thing. I don't know how else you can, because I mean, we don't see lights necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. Emulating. So we're talking about something very spiritual. I mean, what has been the spiritual uh, journey here? Um, from, you know, growing up as a, as a Catholic high school or grade school, high school student and college student with the Scranton. Yeah. Uh I mean, you know, having all that formation in say the realm of, of Catholicism and now moving into this level here of a practice where you are clearly um, trying to recognize ultimately the presence of God in another person. I, I don't know how she would really want to mm-hmm. say it other than that. At least, at least that's the way I would be, at least that's the way I understand it. So, I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, like, um, it, it, what's that been like for you? Cause I mean, like it, the reason why I'm so excited talking to you, cause I feel like I've gone on a similar type of journey. I know. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Very similar. So yoga, um, it's not a religion. It's not any, it's just whatever you want it to be for you. You know, it's very individual. So for some people, it is a physical workout. Wonderful. For some people, it's a stress relief. Great. Mm -hmm. And for other people, it could be very spiritual. So it doesn't have to be, it's really whatever you make it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, when I'm experiencing what I learned, I mean, I, I would think I went through like, I guess, 17 years of Catholic school when you include yeah. grad school in there. Yeah. Um, you know, you learn words and and essence of peace and faith and love. And like you said, I mean, it, it was really, I learned the the kind of nuts and bolts of what it was. And it was very kind of, I don't know, it, it made sense, but you kind of just went through the motions, but it made sense because that's what you do. And I understood my faith and I still am a practicing Catholic and I love my faith, but I didn't embody it. And yeah. so when I'm on yeah. the mat, I can say truthfully, I have been a more, I understand 
spirituality more in these last five years of going through that my own evolution and just getting quiet and getting real. And I talked to, for me, yoga is spiritual. I talk to God on the mat, you know, sure. that is my way to connect. And I under, because I'm feeling in the practice, what peace feels like. I can feel a shift in my heart. I can feel love. And that's what we are. We're love. And yeah to experience love and go, oh, this is what that feels like. This is what, oh, this is what faith means. Like I, and to take a leap of faith and then have it work out or understand abundance. And I'm like, it just, it's like the real life version of everything I learned for 17 years, just not in the textbooks. And I think that's what was missing. You know, I just wasn't embodying it, but, and I will say, I think that that's part of the illness too, is I was forced to surrender you know to something mm -hmm. and, and just accept mm -hmm. and kind of be guided to see what was going on and to let go of that control and I think when we um we want to have so much control in life and and you know you have to be proactive but I will honestly say I was a controlling person and had a plan for my life and when things don't work out it, it's terrifying and you're like helpless but then when you can surrender and experience vulnerability when you right. can experience that shift um, and finding other ways to connect and talk to God, you know, it doesn't have to be an hour on a Sunday in church. Like I talked to God on the yoga mat. I yeah. talk to God in my own breath work. I talk yeah. to God when I'm on the beach, I experience the awe and the magnitude of the beauty, you know, when I'm in nature. And that has been very um, healing. That's a huge part of my healing journey that, that, that has added that, level of wholeness and completion that was not there during those years. So health-wise or not, I think it still would have been something that I know wasn't really as prevalent. I still went to mass every week, you know, sure, but I just sure, didn't sure. experience what that really meant. I understand it. And yeah. it's, um, it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's just, I'm so grateful for it. No, it's, it's just so beautiful as you're, as you're saying it, you know, we recently had a, a mass here, at the high school with the faculty. And uh, I began the mass by not having an entrance song. I said, you know, we're gonna do a breathing exercise, like a, a box breath. Like, mm -hmm. and it was such an, an amazing way to enter into the liturgy. And I'm like thinking, I don't think that this is like that far off. I mean, like we, we should be able to allow something that's maybe very formulaic ritual and it has to be for lots of different reasons just to kind of give people a sense of security so they know what they're walking into but if it doesn't flow from a practice and lead to a practice then it becomes very stale and i think for a lot of people it just stays the ritual and we just don't see what are we leading into and what are we coming away from from those experiences and yes. um you know and that, that, that's something that you know as a priest I'm, I'm always trying to figure out what is my role in all this and how am i being just sensitive to the people who are coming to experience liturgy for whatever it is they're expecting in that context but the question i have here based on everything you said is that so you reach this point where you you understand that i'm not in control that it's okay to be vulnerable your body allows itself to to be healed your body heals itself you're in a good space, you have your own business, you left one career, you're being more true. How, like, how do you sustain all this at this point? Like, do, do you have a fear that you maybe have reached the pinnacle now? Like everything's firing in all cylinders. Um, and I think 
the risk is thinking that I don't really have to do anything else now. I, I, I got where I needed to be and now I'm happy. I mean, do you feel like a, 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 a temptation to like just kind of plateau? Such perfect timing of a question. Um, so I, things have been going great. And this momentum of just, again, like things have just been going at a really good pace. I've learned a lot. I've still been ebbing and flowing, but maybe about three weeks ago. Um, so probably the last three months, it was just making again, more authentic decisions and just reshifting things. And it's like, this is great. I was feeling great. I felt like myself. And then I got a crash and that's the reality of my health. I, I had, you know, it, it ebbs and flows. Healing is not this, it's not like, oh, I tore my ACL. It's a six week recovery. Mm -hmm. It is something that is this spiral and everyone experiences that. And I think that's the case in so many instances, not even just chronic health. I think that's where the mental health comes in too. It's not mm -hmm. this linear path and it knocked me like on an emotional place. I didn't expect it. I was like devastated because I'm like, I can't believe this happened. I can't mm. believe I was on this path. What, what happened? And um, again, it, it's just that surrendering. Um, I wasn't getting as quiet. I wasn't taking as much rest. I wasn't taking as much time. And I think our journey never ends. We're always evolving and transforming. And so to, for lack of a better term, go with the flow and be open and still taking that quiet time and still finding that as you're changing and evolving and life is changing, what are you doing to still incorporate those moments of stillness, of quiet, of checking in with yourself and checking in with what your body needs, what your mind needs, and how can you continue to grow and evolve? Um, but I didn't expect it. So that's been kind of the lesson over these last couple of weeks is it's okay to shift. It's okay. That's part of life. It's not going to just continue to be this. I've hit the top and I'm good. And I don't, I'm, I'm good. I don't need anything. You know, we, we're always growing and learning and just to evolve, evolve with that and see what works for you at any given point, you know? Um, so maybe it's just our last uh, question. So if someone is, still feeling kind of intimidated by the whole yoga thing or thinking that somehow it's going to compromise, I don't know, their own religious practice, let's say, or they fear that, you know, they won't be accepted for who they are if they go to a studio or something like that. Is there, first off, what would you say to someone in that situation uh, that would give them some type of hope that it's okay to at least maybe if anything, experiment with looking at yoga as a way to um, address any type of physical, mental, emotional ailment. What would be your words to someone who still may feel a little bit resistant or hesitant or intimidated in some way? I would say that, um, you know, yoga is another type of tool for your toolbox for stress reduction and to relax. And it doesn't have to be a full hour class. You know, if you want to go to a studio, wonderful. And then see and learn styles that fit for you. But it could just, yoga could be five minutes of breath work. It could be a walking, going out and walking and being in nature. Anything to have you be present, feel good, and feel connected to your body, mind, and breath, to me, is yoga. And so wherever you are going to feel your best to fill up your cup, to feel that love, to feel peace and present, you're doing yoga. 
you mm-hmm. know? So, and mm-hmm. people were probably doing yoga more often throughout a day than any of us realize. like that, that's, that's my definition of it. You know, yeah. that that's personally how I would incorporate with it. Because when I have people come to the studio, what might I say to them? And a lot of people come and they kind of explain, oh, I've never done yoga before. Or, it's been a lot of years or I'm not flexible. And I said, yoga is for is so individualized. Every single person is coming for a different reason. And most of the time have an open mind because you don't know what you, you need and you're going to get out of it, you know? Um, and it doesn't have to be that 60 minute class. Yeah. That, that's so great. So, so Ali lead us, um, by, um, we'll, we'll leave here by, by you, uh, tell us a little bit about, um, how people can get to know more about what you're doing. I know that you have a social media presence, uh, and I think also, I think that you, I see that you connect to different videos and things like that. They're not always like your videos though. Is that right? I mean, if, do you put resources up too for people to, to see? Sometimes I do. Yeah, actually, yeah. I should do more of that. That's a great idea, actually. Um, no, Because so, I mean, but... a lot of times, rather than someone thinking like t- taking the step of even going into a studio, they could see something online, which I know, I know you could see anything. I mean, maybe, and that's the other problem. There's just too much stuff to see. I mean, is there anything to kind of do a baby step by a resource that you provide online or, or like a go-to resource online that people could um, look at? I do. I actually, my, so my cousin is helping me with all of the, the tech stuff. Cause again, this is not my forte. I am like an 80 year old person in a 36 year old <laughs> body. So I am not great with technology and my brain doesn't work that way either. So a um, couple things, you know, I am on Instagram. That's my social yep. media preference. Uh, my business is gentle waves yoga, but um on my website, which is gentlewavesyoga.com, you can, we just added an opt-in feature actually. So you can, there's a pop-up box that will come up to subscribe to my email list. And that's where I'll, you know, send out events and just updates here and there of how to connect. But once you subscribe, we created a free gift, which is a small little yoga nidra kind of an informational sheet, but there's a five minute audio free body scan. So you'll receive that in your email automatically once you um, go to my website and subscribe. And so that is super five minutes. I know I'm so excited. That was like in the last couple of weeks. And that's up and running now. It is. Yep. So anyone can come. Okay. Yep. Allie, this has been a ball. Thank you so much. This has been great. And I um, so appreciate this. Thank you for having me. And when you're ready to uh, reach the next level of where your practice is going or just where life is taking you, we'll be here again to talk about it. What do you think? I'd love it. Can't wait. Can't wait. Thank you. All right. Thank, Thank you, you for so supporting much, me too. Thanks, Oh, anytime. Chris. You're the best. All right. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Attentive Heart Podcast. We hope that you were able to find it helpful in your spiritual journey and practice. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Sunday to Sunday Productions and The Witness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with friends.